You're listening to The Health Strategist, a place where little tips make big change. I'm your host, Leslie Harrington. On today's show, I will be talking about knowing your numbers. But first, just a little introduction about myself. I spent over 20 years in the pharmaceutical industry, and I like to say that I spent my entire career selling drugs, and now I will spend the rest of my life trying to help people to avoid needing them. We'll get a little bit more deep into some of my story as we progress, but today's topic I chose for the first episode because I think it's super important for people to understand their numbers, and it's shocking how many people really don't. What's interesting was when I was looking up some of the statistics about how many people really do understand their numbers, there was a study done by Cleveland Clinic, and 68% of Americans are worried about dying from heart disease, which is the number one cause of death in the U.S., but what was shocking was that most of the people didn't realize their numbers when it related to uh, blood pressure, cholesterol, their body mass index, or their glucose. So... Most people are really scared and they don't want to get heart disease, but they have no idea where they stand in an everyday setting. And they don't really understand the things that they can control and the factors that they could implement that might help adjust these numbers to their favor and, you know, enhance longevity. So 73% of people did not realize that the leading cause of death for people with diabetes is heart disease. So a lot of people rule themselves out when it comes to diabetes. They don't know more than one in three Americans are pre-diabetic, but 84% of them do not know that they have it. That's, that's a very big number. So a lot of people are walking around and their doctors are like, oh, you're good. Your number's good. And oftentimes that, quote, good number is really not an ideal number. So if you're good because you just happen to not be in the diabetic range, doesn't mean that there's not that progressive stage where you go from being a non-diabetic to a diabetic. And unfortunately, often doctors don't really um, sort of pay attention to that middle range. And I know this firsthand from my own experience. I had a cardiologist telling me, you know, watch your numbers. And this was at a time when I was extremely thin. I was very much carb starved. I was having some health issues of my own. So I was very, very conscious of my nutrition and exercise. And I just didn't understand. I'm like, what do you mean? You know, you have the wrong chart. I found later that I did have a progressively increasing A1C, which is a test that we'll talk about in this episode. And he really didn't help me understand what was happening. So I went back and I, I got my records and I could see that it was progressing five, seven, five, eight, five, nine. So my blood sugar was, was increasing. And on the track that I was at within five years, I would have been full blown diabetic had I not really tapped into what was going on in my body. So that's where we have to be careful when we're having our blood work done is when the doctors say everything's okay. You've got to remember there's a very large range in between every test item that they're measuring. And doctors are looking at these tests all day, every day. And if it doesn't have a big, bold H or an L for high or low, they're probably not looking to see where you actually fall in the range. So if you have a range of one to 100, do you want to be 99 or two? Or would you rather be maybe 50? So you want to be right in that center of the range is would be more ideal. We are going to talk about a couple different blood tests today. The goal of this podcast is to make some of these tips quick and easy. So 
it's going to be rather short, something that you can listen to and implement pretty quickly. But I do want you to have some takeaways with regard to how you can, you know, use this information and, and really start to take the tips over time and see the big changes that we talk about. So when I mention A1C, A1C is a test that they typically would look at for your three-month average of your blood sugar. Uh, your, your cells will actually hold on to the sugar. It binds to the hemoglobin. And over, they say two to three months, some people shed it quicker. But your blood levels for an A1C would be in a range, usually 5.4, you'd be in the normal range. 5.7 is a D, uh pre-diabetic range, up through 6.4, and then 6.5 is what they consider the actual diabetic range. So these little tiny increments are are really important because there's that stage from 5.7 up through that 6.4 where you really have an opportunity to wrap your head around what's causing this blood sugar. Is it something you're eating? Is it a high-stress lifestyle? Is it lack of sleep? Is it dehydration? Is it your exercise is too intense for the way that your body it needs in this moment? There's a lot of different factors that contribute to blood sugar. And the most, I think, strongest one for most people who are type 2 diabetic is going to be their diet and nutrition, hands down. But there are some anomalies for athletes and people that are immediately ruling themselves out when, you know, I tell you that 84% of people don't understand that they might be pre-diabetic. It's because they just don't assume that their diet is is, uh, a problem, which it may not be. In my case, it was not the problem. So we're going to look at A1C. That's something that your doctor typically would run, but you might have to request it. These are tests now that you're able to get on your own. You can get them from any lab test now, which is a um, an online, but they have all over the country. You can walk in and, and get a test. Um, and then fasting glucose is another one. So your fasting glucose number is also critical because that's the number that you wake up with essentially. In the morning when you wake up, your cortisol actually has a little bump, a rise. It's intended that way, right? Our bodies are meant to have that little shocker to say, hey, wake up, it's time to get going. And that's a good part of cortisol. So at the top of that bell curve in the morning, your cortisol should be on the higher end and then it starts to teeter out as you go on through the day. And in the evening time is when your melatonin kicks in and they work like a teeter-totter. Your fasting glucose is what happens when you wake up in the morning. So some people might wake up with high fasting glucose and that is a really strong indicator of prediabetes. It's a strong indicator of hormonal changes. It's an indicator of longevity. So you really want to know what your fasting glucose is because that means you've gone probably at minimum eight hours without eating and you've just woken up from sleeping and your blood sugar should be under 100. So when you see the the fast readings, those are also going to be combined with your A1C to really get a good assessment of where your blood sugar lies. The second test that I wanted to talk about is the CRP. This is a C-reactive protein. This is, um, you'll see sometimes HS CRP, which is highly sensitive uh, C-reactive protein. This is a cardiovascular health indicator. However, it's registering the systemic inflammation in your body. So you really want to have an idea of real-time inflammation. And inflammatory markers are key. There's 
several others, tons of, of uh, different markers. But this is one that's kind of standard in cardiology, may not be so standard with your doctor. So you want to ask for a CRP test, another one that's very simple to get on your own. Your CRP is an inflammatory marker that has a very teeny tiny range. So obviously, the lower it is, the better, because that's the least amount of inflammation you have in your body. So these are, are two that you want to start with. The third is insulin. So we measure blood sugar, but we don't often measure insulin. And I think people tend to associate insulin with diabetes. Oh, that's, that's a diabetes thing, right? Insulin is a very important hormone in our body, and it's actually a fat storage hormone. So every single time that you're asking your insulin to come out and deliver nutrients and, and put out the blood sugar fires you're creating an environment in your body where your body is storing fat. So insulin actually is a very important number because you could run some decent A1C numbers and have a high insulin, which would indicate insulin resistance, meaning that your insulin isn't functioning properly. Your cells are not actually opening the little locks to the keys to allow some of those nutrients to be moved. And the, the insulin is circulating in your blood, which would then indicate you're in fat storage. So you can't have insulin present and be burning fat at the same time. So insulin's a critical number that they don't look at a lot automatically. And it's something that needs to go hand in hand with your regular blood testing. Finally, your cholesterol. Everybody gets cholesterol tests, right? We know our doctors say it's good, it's bad, it's whatever. You don't really know where you stand. You know it's an HDL and an LDL, maybe. A lot of people don't know that. Your HDL is the one you want to be higher because that's, quote unquote, the good cholesterol. And your LDL, you want to be on the lower side in, in range because, quote unquote, that's the bad cholesterol. Your LDL has a further dissection of, quote, good and bad cholesterol. So you want to make sure when you're looking at that LDL, if you're a little bit on the high side or even on the normal side, you need to know your particle size. It's a very important part. You want to think marshmallow or marble. Do you have the hard marbles as your particles in, in a large abundance? Or do you have these marshmallow fluffy type particles that don't get caught in the capillaries and the teeny tiny areas of your blood the same way that a marble would? So the marble ones are going to be a little more dangerous. There are very specific tests that they break down your cholesterol. One is from LabCorp, one is from Quest. The LabCorp is considered the NMR lipoprofile. And if you have Quest as your insurance, you've got the CardioIQ Advanced Lipid Panel. So those are two sort of subsets that you want to request from your doctor to see if you can get more detail around it. Now, the hesitance might be there from a regular conventional medicine doctor because they might not know how to read it and interpret it because it's not a standard test in their world. It's a very available test and it's something that we absolutely need to be looking at when it comes to cholesterol because there's a lot of moving parts to cholesterol. And I just want to point out that most people think cholesterol is increased or decreased by you know, beef and, and proteins and all these things, your cholesterol, specifically the LDL, is much more influenced by carbs and sugar than the typical standard don't eat your egg yolks or cholesterol, you know, myth that is is out there. And the understanding that I think most common to society is that you need to watch your cholesterol. 
And if you Google the FDA or, you know, in, in cholesterol, you'll see that a few years back, gosh, I'm not sure the exact year, you can see that the FDA decided that, quote unquote, cholesterol is no longer a nutrient of concern. And when you actually Google cholesterol is no longer a nutrient of concern, you can see where all of a sudden this number that we've been following and we've been like obsessing over for years and years and years, assuming that is the specific, you know, association with heart disease, it's all of a sudden the FDA said, oh, no, you know, never mind. (laughs) So you want to understand that carbs and sugar are the bigger contributing factors when it comes to cholesterol. Also, another fun topic to Google would be the the sugar myth, right? So what happened was years ago, does everyone remember 30, 40 years ago when all of a sudden everything was fat-free and I can't believe it's not butter and sugar-free this and fat-free this and all these things, what happened was fat became this this devil, right? All of a sudden, everyone's no fat. You can't have fat. You can't have this type of fat. And, and all of a sudden, everything went fat-free. But what happened then is everybody started to get sicker. So over this past 40 years, we're getting more sick as a society. We have more information at our fingertips, but we're being told really mistruths. And it takes a long time for those things to come out. So 40 years ago, that big fat lie is it it basically started to encourage people to eat low fat, which most of the foods that are made with low fat are replaced with carbohydrates and or sugar. And now you see the the full result is starting to be evident with the high cause of disease rates that we have in the U.S. and throughout the country and throughout the world. So very high level. Let's recap. Your A1C and fasting glucose, your CRP, insulin, and your cholesterol particle breakout, the NMR for LabCorp or CardioIQ for Quest. So you want to ask your doctor, for a copy of your reports after every time you get a report. Don't just call and say, okay, your blood work's good. Get a copy of your report. These are your property. You own them. They might ask you to you know, pay a couple pennies for some paper, but the doctors do not own your, your records. You do. You do. So ask for copy. Make sure that you can keep copies so you can monitor your own trends because doctors aren't going back all the time and looking and going, oh, hey, the last time the A1C was 5.7 and now it's 5.9. Should I be concerned, right? You've got to be responsible for being your own advocate. Number two, look for optimal, not simply within range. So when your doctor says you're good, you want to know how good am I? Am I optimal or am I just teetering on you know, having that high or the low that would otherwise flag me. That's something that you want to make sure that that's on you. You really want to look into that. Number three, understand generally what these labs mean. So I just explained a couple high level to you. We will definitely be covering different types of labs and different types of blood in in this series. However, Understand what some of the labs mean. If you get something and you see, oh, wait, you know, my red blood count is this, 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 you can find out very easily what that means, right? So you can Google it. We have so much access of information at our fingertips. So dive into it. Get more. Understand it more. Educate yourself. And finally, what are you doing with these results, right? Oh, you know, I had a high A1C. My doctor told me I'm pre-diabetic. Well, what are you doing? 
How are you going to look at that number? And do you understand that you have control over potentially bringing that number back down? So take action on the results. What is the information that you're getting and what can you do about it? Thank you so much for joining me on my very first episode of The Health Strategist. Next week's episode, we'll look forward to talking to the top supplements that everybody should consider taking. Mm -hmm.